together as a church, uh, we are endeavoring and doing our best to read through the entire New Testament in just 30 days. And uh, last week, I, I asked the wrong question. Last week, I asked, how many of you are all caught up? And there were about three hands that shot up in the air. And so I want to ask a better question this week. How many of you, as you're trying to read through the New Testament in 30 days, are finding this is something that is difficult to keep up with? Yes, amen, all right? That's very good. So we got a little more hands that time. So let me, keep, let me encourage you. Uh, if you're finding that reading through the, the New Testament in 30 days is daunting and uh, very difficult to do, let me encourage you uh, by saying this. This series, this experience is not meant to induce uh, guilt and it's not meant to be a burden. So if you find yourself falling behind and feeling guilty, and you find yourself in your daily schedules and, and the, the reading has become a burden, let me encourage you with this. Let it go, right? Let it go. Put the reading plan away. Put it in a drawer. Don't allow that to discourage you to the point of saying, I'm not even going to read. The, the goal and the point of this series and this experience is for us together to prioritize the Word of God in our lives uh, over and above uh, where, where other things that have taken the place in our schedules. So if you're finding it's really hard to take that, that 45 minutes, an hour of reading every day to keep up, then let me encourage you with this. Sit down and and try to find a time every day where you're just reading scripture for half an hour. And as much as you get done in half an hour, great. As much as you don't get done, that's okay too, all right? So there's no guilt coming from me if you're having a hard time keeping up. Because uh, I really want this to just uh, be an opportunity for us to prioritize the Word of God in our lives. Um, so let me encourage you with that. If this is your first time here uh, and you want to join with us, we have some reading plans in the back that you can take home with you. Uh, you can also download the reading plan from our website at theroadfc.org, and uh, we would love for you to just begin reading with us and experience this with us. And uh, what we're doing is actually, as we're reading through the New Testament, I'm actually preaching through the New Testament, and with the theme of Jesus is. And so each week we're looking at uh, a different aspect of who Christ is and what He can be in our lives. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've sure had a lot of fun uh, with this series, and God has really been speaking to me uh, as I've been sharing with you. It's easy to think that the preacher uh, has all the answers, and I come in here and just present the answers to you. Uh, but the reality is, is that as I prepare messages, God really speaks to me in the same way and similar ways that I hope that he speaks to you uh, as the message is presented. I want to give you just a little bit of a window into my uh, sermon prep uh, because that's gonna, you need to know that as we launch into this morning's message. Uh, a few months ago, I used to write all the, the, the entire message out word for word called a transcript, and I would preach from a transcript. And then about Christmas time, I thought, you know, I'm going to really try something different. I'm going to start mind mapping my, my messages. So there's just like a map of major movements uh, in, in the series. Uh, anybody familiar with mind mapping or, or, or what that is? Uh, yes, my wife. Very good. Anyone else? Oh, yes, right over there. A couple. Okay. So if you have not mind mapped, I would totally encourage it. It's a great tool uh, for organization and organizing your thoughts. Um, and then as I became uh, more visual with the mind maps, I, I thought, I'm going to read this book that's entitled uh, The Back of the Napkin, uh, Solving Problems and Communicating Ideas with Pictures. And um, I read that this month. And uh, so I want to show you, actually, I want to show you my message this morning. And I think you guys will get a big kick out of this. This is the message. 
Do you see it? It's just a bunch of pictures. And so I have a whiteboard, and it's bigger than the one last week because I'm going to need a lot of room, all right? So that's, so that's where we're headed. I'm going to show you some pictures, and uh, I, I encourage you and I ask you to be very gracious as I draw these pictures uh, because I'm not an artist. Uh, if you've ever been here before and saw me draw a picture, you already know that. Um, but here's where we're at. We're, uh, this week, we're studying Jesus is resurrection power, right? You cannot just say resurrection. You, you've got to say resurrection, right? So you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. So Jesus is resurrection power. That's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, it's out of Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, follow with me in Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in front of you in the pew racks. Uh, and if you prefer, we'll also display it here on the screen for you to follow along. So Philippians chapter 3. Uh, verses, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, 1 through 14, and uh, we're going we're gonna to move along here, and I think uh, God has some incredible things to say to us this morning. It says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord, for it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those those men who do evil, and those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, and who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks that he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have even more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of, of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and in regards to the law of Pharisee, and as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for legalistic righteousness, I am faultless. But whoever, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. In fact, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or or already have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me say a word of prayer for us. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather here together to listen to your word. And I pray, Lord, that right now my lips would be your instrument, that you would speak through me into my life, into the lives of those who have gathered here this morning, that we may know that we have met with you and that we have experienced your presence. So God, be with us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the first thing that comes up is um, this this thing in verse 2. 
uh, a lot of times we like to, to think about Paul as, as being this nice and gentle man. Uh, but here he says in verse 2, it's kind of setting the stage for what he's going to talk about. Is he's saying, watch out for those dogs... Those men who do evil and those mutilators of the flesh, right? These are not kind words. Uh, I mean, this is a a direct warning that Paul is giving. And so we got to go back and we got to say, what is going on and who is Paul talking about? What is the historical context of this letter? Well, as we look at this, we realize that in in the church in Philippi, there was a group known as Judaizers. And some of you may have heard that term before, some of you maybe not, but a Judaizer was actually a convert to Christianity who was proclaiming that you had to follow by the letter the Mosaic law, that is the law given to Moses in order to experience God's blessing and God's salvation. So you've you've got to you have not to be a Christian, you have to not only have Christ, but you also have to follow each exact letter of the law that was given to Moses, among which would have been the law of circumcision. And so Paul calls them uh, um, the mutilators of the flesh. Now if we were to draw a picture of this, right? Yeah! Now, if we were to draw a picture of this, here's what it would look like. Here's an, here is essentially the message that the Judaizers were trying to present. Bear with me now. Bear with me, all right? So here's Christ. Oh, I gotta... I hope I can make it through with this marker. I brought an extra one just in case. I'm fully prepared. I wasn't a Boy Scout, but I am prepared. All right, so the message of the Judaizers was Christ plus, and I'm going to draw a trophy. Okay? One. First. First prize. Okay? This trophy is, is human effort. Oh, good night. I thought this thing was falling down when I heard the wind. <laughs> Lord, protect me while I'm up here. Um, so this, this trophy is... is uh, represents what could be said of human effort, a righteousness of our own. Remember, the the message of the Judaizers was Christ plus all the law, plus all the effort to to put forth into fulfilling the full measure of the law, including circumcision. And then they said, if we have Christ and this human effort and this human achievement, then it equals blessing and God's salvation. I'm going to draw a dollar bill. Blessing. Here we go, George Washington, doot, 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 one, maybe hundred. (laughs) One is not very much blessing, you know what I'm saying? Hundred, okay, you get the picture, okay? So this is essentially the message of the Judaizers. Christ plus human effort equals God's salvation and God's blessing in our lives. Now this this message, of course, never happens in, in our day, right? I mean, we're way past the message of the Judaizers. I mean, it never happens in our day when when people say that in order to experience God's salvation, you must have Christ and not go to the movies. Or you must have Christ and also speak in tongues. Or you must have Christ and also never have a single, 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 single drip of alcohol. And there's different viewpoints of that, and I understand that. And uh, there's denominational views on that. Uh, But but when we, we get in trouble when we say... If you have this, then you are not saved. And you are not experiencing God's blessing and salvation. Of course, this never happens. You have to have Christ and baptism. Now, I think baptism is important. Don't misunderstand me. But the message is that we have to have all these things of human achievement, human effort, and Christ in order to experience 
God's salvation. So this is the message of the Judaizers, and this, of course, never happens in our day. Now, what Paul does is he says to the Judaizers and the church in Philippi that's kind of struggling with all of this, is he essentially says, oh, you want to talk about human effort? You want to talk about human achievement? I've got you covered, right? For whatever achievement that you think you have reached, I've reached even more. And then he starts, he starts uh, making a list. And he says, uh, so this is Paul. And he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, why is that important? So this is, uh, this is circumcision. Circumcision. This is the circumcision trophy. I don't know if they got a trophy, but they do this morning. I almost said something, but I'm not going to say it, okay? I'm, 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 I'm thankful for my filter. Um, so Paul says, circumcision on the eighth day. Now, why is the eighth day detail important? Because those who were Judaizers that were convert, converts to Christianity and then were following the Mosaic law would have been circumcised as adults. And he's saying, look, I, I was circumcised on the eighth day, right? So I've, I've won up to you. I've got you beat. He also says that I am of the tribe of Benjamin, another trophy, a true Hebrew of Hebrew. That's a star, not a trophy. Okay, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and according to the law, in terms of knowledge and following through on the law, I am, in fact, a Pharisee. In other words, I'm an expert of the law. In other words, I could beat you in a, law, a contest of law knowledge and following through on the law. So in regards to the law, I am, in fact, a Pharisee. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. I belong to the tribe of Benjamin, and I was circumcised on the eighth day. So if you want to talk about human achievement, I've got more trophies in my sack than you do. You understand this, right? So this is essentially what Paul is saying. If you want to talk about this, I'm willing to go there. Because I've got you beat and I've got more trophies than you do at all. Now, similar to this kind of, of, of message that the Judaizers were speaking of Christ plus human achievement equals God's salvation and blessing. Sometimes what we hear and what, we, what goes along with that is often that uh, the way that Christianity is portrayed um, is, that, is that we go to people and, you say what, you, and we say, you know what? You're a liar. You're a cheater. You've done all these things, these awful things. And in fact, those things are true, right? And then they say, if you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're the trash in your life will essentially be thrown out, and you won't have to deal with that trash anymore, right? And that's the, the message of the gospel, and I'm not, I want, don't want you to misunderstand me. That is a true message this morning. If you find yourself with trash in your life, and you, you have a difficulty overcoming your, um, your, your, your uh, propensity for lying and cheating, and, and, and you have a hard time controlling the, the lust that is in your life, I want you to know that God can, in fact, cleanse that trash in your life. Do you understand me? That is, in fact, the message of the gospel. And the Judaizers were essentially saying, and this is the message, that Christ is greater than, this is the little line here, this, Christ is greater than the trash of my life. And so they've, they've put these things, and they say Christ plus human achievement equals God's blessing, and Christ is bigger than the trash of your life. And I don't want you to misunderstand me today. That is true. But Paul goes way further than that. Because remember, Paul says, I've got more trophies than you do. 
I've got way more human achievement than you do. And what Paul essentially does then, in, in, starting in, in, I think it's in verse 7. Yeah, verse 7. He's, after he's listed all of his trophies and all of his human achievement, he says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so where the Judaizer message would put Christ and human achievement above the line, Paul does this. And he says that, in fact, all of those things are, above, are below the line and Christ is most important in my life. Does that make sense? In other words, my human achievement and all of the effort that I've put into things is really no greater than the trash that I've been rescued from in Christ Jesus. So what he essentially says is that this message has a danger to it because it can lead to us living out a righteousness that belongs to ourselves, a righteousness that is of our own according to following the law. And Paul says, no, all that stuff should not be up there in our lives with Christ. This ought to be moved down below the line of Christ so that our righteousness is not a righteousness of our own, but rather it is a righteousness that comes purely by faith in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so Paul takes all of his best achievement and he says, I consider them rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, for it is not a righteousness of my own that comes through the law. It is a righteousness that belongs and comes from God that, that, that comes to me through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I love what he says here next. He says this. Verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom's sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may, what? That I may gain Christ and then be found in him. I think so many times in our lives, we seek to gain the trophies and the stars. We seek to gain these things. And what happens is when they become our pursuit and not the knowledge of Jesus Christ and not pursuing Christ that his righteousness might be our own through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Romans says so that all the fullness of the law might be fulfilled in us as we place our faith in Christ. So what Paul says is that I may pursue Christ, that I may know Christ, and that I may be found in him. But what I think so often happens in our lives, if you're anything like me, I pursue the trophies a little too often. I pursue the stars so that I can say, look, I've got Jesus and all my human achievement. Look at all all that I've done. Look at this church and how it's grown over the past year. Aren't I great? Do I deserve a star? Anybody want to give me a trophy? Look at what I've done. And then what happens is when that becomes our chief pursuit, finding the trophies and the stars in our life, is that we find ourselves in these things. Last, last fall, we did a series called Identity Crisis about how we've lost our identity and who we are in Christ Jesus. And this, essentially, is one of the things 
that leads to a lost identity is not only do we pursue those stars and those human achievements, but we begin to find ourselves in them. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Even me, who has all the human achievement in the world, I want to place those things as rubbish along with the trash of my life that God has rescued me from, I also want to put them on the same plane as all my human achievements so that I may know Christ, so that I may be found in Him, and so that He might be my chief pursuit. And then, so what Paul does, let me draw this a little better. What Paul does is he puts Christ here, and then he puts these trophies and all the, the stars of his life, of human effort, my stars are getting worse as we go along. This is a star. <laughs> Careful now. I told you, be gracious. What Paul does then is he puts these on the same level. And he says, you know what? All that God has rescued me from, that I considered the sin and the trash of my life, I put them on the same level so that I may know Christ. And then after that, Paul, Paul does something that I cannot even hardly imagine and that I would not have the audacity to do. After demonstrating this and saying, I want to be found in Christ, I want to pursue Christ, and all of these human achievements I count as rubbish in my life for the sake of, of the greatness of knowing God. He says this, I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then right after saying that, he says, I want to be joined with Christ in his suffering. Now, I like resurrection. I don't like suffering. You with me? But he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I want to share in his suffering. In the very next breath... He's saying, I want to share in the suffering of Jesus Christ that I may know him. It's a powerful message because there's this funny thing about resurrection. It requires death. I hate that. Don't you? I mean, the funny thing about resurrection is you have to have death in order for resurrection to be there. And so Paul essentially says, I'm finding myself in Christ and I'm dying to these things. All the sin and trash, the lying, cheating, lusting that was in my life, I've died to those things so that I might be resurrected into new life with Christ. But I'm going to take it one step further. I'm not going to just put Christ and human achievement on the same level too. I'm saying that I have also died to all the human achievements so that they are no longer my primary pursuit and they are no longer the primary form of where I find my identity. My identity and my pursuit are now in Jesus Christ. Isn't that a powerful message? And so what he does then is after making that, he says, I want to know Jesus Christ in his suffering. And he adds suffering under this Christ. This is a sad person that's crying. Suffering. (laughs) Solving problems and communicating ideas with pictures. Amen. Amen. And so he says, suffering is also there. Because when I die to these things, I may be resurrected in Jesus Christ. 
Now, it's interesting that Paul, in some of his other letters, says that the point of our greatest weakness is God's greatest opportunity to display His strength. And the truth is that some of you are facing a challenge today, this week. You heard some news. You, you, uh, you came into a challenge, whatever it may be. And it feels like death to you right now. That challenge, that difficulty, that mountain that you're facing, you look at it and you think to yourself, this is like death. There is no way I will overcome this. And the truth is, you're right. But you are not found in yourself or your human achievements or the difficulties or challenges that you face in life. You are found in Christ Jesus for those who have placed your faith in him and while you cannot overcome that mountain and you cannot overcome that kind of death feeling that you're experiencing in the difficulty of life the truth is is that Jesus Christ is resurrected and he can resurrect this situation in your life amen Amen. the resurrection people say what difference does this Jesus Christ and his death make and his resurrection make all those years ago and I would say to you every difference in the world right Last year we talked about why does this, this, this death on the cross mean anything. And it's because of who Jesus was and his work on the cross. And he is the perfect mediator representing the loving hand of God reaching down to man. But also the, the, the representing man and taking on all of our sins so that we might be properly represented before God. So that it's not our righteousness but his righteousness, right? That's what we talked about last week. And then this week we're talking about the power of the resurrection. Because that, that broken relationship you're facing right now. Whether you get back together or not, you can experience the power of God's resurrection in your life through healing that loved one that has died and you're mourning that loss. In a world without resurrection, it would say it's impossible to overcome that. It's impossible to find healing and hope in the midst of the loss of a loved one whom you cared about so much. But we don't live in a world that is void of resurrection. We live in a world where Jesus Christ died and was resurrected and can resurrect your situation today. You want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, Paul says. And and I think he puts suffering in in there because suffering sometimes feels like death. And we also have to die to these things. And he says, and if we do that then we will experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our lives. Because the resurrection makes every difference today as it did 2,000 years ago. Does that make sense? So he adds, so he adds the suffering down there as well. Every time that you have come to the other side of a difficult situation, with a maintained faith, with a hope that lives, whether you are a believer or not, that is evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. Because resurrection matters. And it makes a difference. And resurrection is active in our world. And so I just want you to know today that you can experience the power of God's resurrection In your life. But what's important is that we have to maintain what is our pursuit and where is Christ? Is Christ in our lives here above the line, has the primary seat in our heart? 
That's great. But is Christ also joined with the human achievements? Is Christ also joined with the trash in your life? And you, you, as you follow Christ, you still, you still deal with those addictions and those things that are burying you. And I would say to you today that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can overcome that addiction. You can find victory in your life. And I'm not trying to be a, a, a health and wealth preacher. I'm just saying that the cross and the resurrection is powerful in our lives. And so I would want to say to you today that you can experience Jesus and his resurrection power. But oftentimes, well, all the time, resurrection requires a death. And whether that comes through the suffering of what is faced in your life and and that feels like death and you need to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ in that situation or whether you need to literally die to yourself and to your human achievements so that you may be found solely and fully in Christ, the reality is we can experience the power of his resurrection. And I love what Paul says because this is a grand message, right? And then, then, then Paul says... Not that I have achieved all of this. This is just the reality of the truth of Jesus Christ. He is resurrected. His resurrection makes all the difference in the world. But sometimes in our humanness, we allow these stars and these human achievements to come in and they they either replace the seed of Christ or they, they try to coexist in there. And sometimes a trash gets up there. And so Paul says, not that I've obtained all of this, but one thing I do know, I'm striving for it. I'm pressing on. It's like this the language that he uses here is this this clenched fist, this this sweat beating off of our of our forehead, and we're going for it. Like, I don't know what's going to get in the way. I don't know what life is going to bring, but this I do know. I am pressing on toward that which the God has called me to. I am pressing on to God's calling in my life so that I may obtain all of this one day in the resurrection of all things and the reconciliation and the renewal of all things. So it's a powerful, powerful message that that, that Paul paints through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I love, love what he says, you know. I want to join and I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and I want to share in his suffering so that somehow I, may, I might attain to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And man, not that I've obtained all of this and not that I work it out perfectly, but, but one thing I know, I want to strive toward this reality in our lives. And so I would, just as a community, as a church, whether, whether you're here and you're plugged in and you're a member or whether this is your first time here, my prayer and my goal for this church is that we would be this kind of church. A resurrection kind of church, right? A a, a church that lives in the reality of resurrection week to week, day by day. And we don't just relegate the resurrection to Easter Sunday, right? Easter Sunday is just an opportunity to celebrate the reality that is in our lives every single day. And so every day as we come here, it's Resurrection Sunday. 
It's Resurrection Sunday. And I might add that Resurrection Sunday is way better than Super Sunday. <laughs> let, me, let me just close by, by reading where this passage goes from here. Because I don't know about you, but as I've been reading God's word and prioritizing it in my life in, in a way that I've not done before, God has been so present and so richly blessing me as I've read his word. Not just with new knowledge or new insights, but, but just with the, these kind of aha moments of, of, of connections of this means that and, and oh and this. And, and like I said at the beginning, what's going to happen as we read these huge arcs of scripture is that we're going to begin picking up on stuff that we never picked up on before. And, and I love just sitting down and reading all of Philippians. And seeing how, how he ties all of these things together. So to close our message, I simply want to read this passage and where Paul takes it from here. Where does he take it from here? I'll start at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. And brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. All of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained and join Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern that we gave you. For as we have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. And their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame, and their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. He's talking about resurrection. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Therefore, that is how you should stand firm. In the Lord, my dear friends. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful for the truth of your word and the power that it has in our lives. And Father, we just pray and we ask that as we take a few moments to respond together, that you would speak to us. Um, God, I pray that you would help us as we, as we look at these pictures and as we have heard your word, I, I pray, God, that you would help us to know how to apply it to our lives and to make it real for us. Uh, so it may, may it not just be um, pictures on a board or words that are spoken, but, God, I pray that it would be truth that would sink into my heart and that it would sink into our hearts together so that we may be a resurrection people, people that are familiar with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and people that experience that power in our lives 
as it is available to us. So God be with us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.